Hi everyone, it's Dean Turple. Today is October 30th, 2019, the day before Halloween. Don't tell anybody, but I'm not a huge fan of Halloween. So last time I talked about learning the material and using tests and test banks only to test yourself. I'm going to talk a little bit more about that today, but this morning on my walk, which is my ritual to take a walk every morning, I kept having the word failure coming at me. I've been thinking about failure a lot lately. It's, it's a sort of front and center of this job sometimes. And I want to talk just a little bit more about failure. I was in some of the remediation classes last week trying to give some encouragement to students who are struggling in some classes and doing remediation. And I found myself avoiding the word failure. I found myself saying, starting to say the word failure or fail and then quickly trying to turn it to something else. And I realized that that actually kind of goes against how I really honestly feel about failure or at least believe about failure. Um, and I really want to try and turn that around and not have the word failure be, have such a negative connotation. If you've been in my office, you may have seen that up on the file cabinets, I have a magnet and it has on there a quote um, from the book, um, The Last Lecture, which is a great book when you have some time to read, maybe over the holidays or when you're finished with nursing school or I don't know, when you're retired. <laughs> it's a great book. And in that book, um, Randy Pausch, the author, says, failure is not just acceptable, it's often essential. And I really do believe that. I really do believe that we have to have failures to, to in order to succeed. And we focus really heavily on the successes, but behind every success, there are a lot of failures. And I'm going to stop avoiding the word fail and failure. So if you catch me, you can tell me, hey, you weren't going to try and cover up the word failure because it's not necessarily a loss. It's just a learning opportunity. Two things really came to mind this morning when I was thinking about failure. And I'll try and make this story brief, but uh, my mom was very much a practical and pragmatic woman. She had some challenges and some struggles and some in her life. She had to overcome some things. I'm not sure that I would call them failures, but really, you know, she had some things go on, especially in her adult life that were really hard on her. And she was just a pick yourself up and move on kind of person. She accepted where she was and went on with it. She wasn't the kind of person to whine or complain. Um, she didn't see a lot of obstacles. She's a, she was a very positive person. In fact, at one of the care planning meetings for that her team had at the nursing home she lived at um, for the last couple of years of her life, one of the people, one of the, exactly the dietitian said, oh, even when your mom has something negative to say, she makes it sound like a positive. So she was just that kind of person and, but very much a pick yourself up and move on kind of person, not the kind of person who you would hear complaining about her situation. So she had a lot of brothers and sisters and her oldest brother really kind of led a charmed life, I would say. I'm sure he had his struggles, um, you know, as everyone does, but he really 
things seemed to come very easily to him. And when he was, oh, I guess 79, he fell and broke his hip. And he lived in St. Louis. He was retired, uh, retired from uh, being an attorney his whole life. And he was married and had um, two kids, my two, co- two of my cousins. And his wife, uh, they were married uh, very young, like probably around 20s, but she came from a lot of money. So money was never an issue for, for my uncle and his wife their entire lives. But um, in his retirement, he was very active. He played tennis every day and he played jazz piano. He played piano in a jazz band called um, the Gateway City Big Band. And he was still doing that when he fell and broke his hip. And I saw him a couple of months after he broke his hip. My husband and I were in St. Louis and we went to visit him. And I was just really shocked. He was in a wheelchair, which you wouldn't expect really after one broken hip. And he was just not himself. And when I sat down to talk with him a little bit, you know, just he and I alone, he kept going on and on about how he couldn't do the same things he used to do. He couldn't play tennis. He couldn't play the piano. And I was like, well, why can't you play the piano? Well, the piano's downstairs in the basement, and that's where all my musical equipment is. Let me tell you, this is a guy who had plenty of money, <laughs> and he could have paid to have that equipment moved upstairs, and they had a plenty big house. So I suggested that, and he said, oh, you know, the piano bench is too hard. Well, get a different chair. Bring the wheelchair up. Put the, put the piano up on blocks so it's in the right position, whatever. It was kind of like that never even occurred to him. He just saw it as, I'm in the situation, there's nothing I can do about it. And then he said, well, really, I, I really miss playing tennis. I was like, okay, right now, while well, you're in a wheelchair and you're probably not gonna be able to play tennis, but there's other options. Have you ever heard of a Wii? Okay, this was a few years ago. There weren't other options at that time. <laughs> and I explained to him what the Wii was, which of course his uh, grandkids had one. And we talked about that and he kind of just shrugged his shoulders and went on. and. I thought after I left there that day, it was so strange that he had really come to this, you know, place of depression. And actually, he died not long after that, which, of course, you all know is not unusual for somebody who breaks a hip. Those of you who who are already in the nursing program and are nurses. But I've thought about him a lot. And I think part of the reason he couldn't deal with that was that he'd never faced a lot of adversity. He hadn't had a lot of failure or adversity. And you really need that in your life to go on. One concept that's incredibly popular in nursing right now is that of resiliency. Hospitals want to hire nurses who are resilient. Why? Because high levels of resilient resiliency, pardon me, in people, in nurses, really means that they're less likely to develop stress disorders and they're more likely to stay on the job, to remain in the profession and remain healthy. And nurse managers are looking for that. Personally, I know that I spoke to the CNO at Memorial Health Systems who told me that's one of the things they're looking for in nurses. And in my own experience as a nurse manager, as a nursing administrator, when I had to hire nurses, I actually really liked hiring those nurses who had to take their state boards more than once, who didn't pass it on the first try because I saw them as being more resilient. I guess I didn't think of it as being resilient at that time, but I knew they had a drive and an ambition and were able to face disappointments and keep going. And definitely failures are disappointments. There's no other way around it. You know, when we experience a a failure, we are disappointed and angry. We're sad and we should be at least for a little while, but we have to change the narrative on failures, especially 
at Broward College, especially in all of the nursing programs and all of the pre-nursing courses. Failure just means that you're not quite there yet, that you haven't quite grasped the material and you need to do it again. And we're not going to let failure stop you from reaching your goal. I hope everybody's having a great week. I hope you don't eat too much candy on Halloween, which reminds me I need to go get candy, I guess, <laughs> since Halloween is tomorrow. And best of luck in your courses and don't focus on the failures. Focus on your reaction to the failures and how you're moving on.